Hey, everyone, this is Chris and Sandy Benton with the Chris and Sandy Show, where we get up close and personal with some amazing rising artists. And today, we've got a really awesome guest. Um, she's definitely rising out there. Um, she's probably at the edge of breakthrough in this crazy music world. And we're proud to have her on. It's Tennille Art. So, Tennille, are you here? Hey, yeah, I'm here. How are you doing in this crazy time right now? I'm doing all right. It's definitely very different not being on the road and um, just being in Nashville for such a long time. But um, I think the downtime is necessary, but not for this long. (laughs) (laughs) We know what you mean. (laughs) We like to get out and do things and, you know, and you kind of can't. I mean, we we do go to the park up the street because we are parks in Georgia are still open and you can social distance there. So it's really great. And, our little one likes to play disc golf, so we get out there and we go to the disc golf, and it's just us pretty much in those woods. So we get to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so as we get started here, tell us a little about, bit about who you are, where you're from, a brief overview of you, and then tell us a few hobbies like you outside of music. Okay. Um, well, I grew up in a small town in Canada called Weyburn. It was in the province of Saskatchewan. And oh, well. I spent, uh, yeah, I just had a love for music from a really, really early age. So I started coming to Nashville when I was about 15 years old and just going back and forth. And, um, yeah, I made the big move here when I was 21. And, oh, wow. uh, yeah, I've been... I signed a publishing deal and that's how I originally moved. And then, um, and my publisher just fell in love with my music and, um, you know, couldn't really picture anybody else singing it. So he said we should go in and record it. And, um, I was so excited about that. Um, cause oh, wow. you know, he basically just created an independent label for me to release this music. And it's just been a really cool ride you know it's it's been nothing like I thought it would be you know you kind of get this picture in your head of, <laughs> of oh I'm gonna sign with a, a major label right off uh-huh. the bat and it's gonna be great and all this stuff but um, there's a, so much that goes along with it you know that um, actually being an independent artist sometimes can be a lot better you have a little bit more freedom and control so there's pros and cons definitely of both but yeah that's how I ended up here in Nashville and how I ended up re- releasing music and um, yeah, I don't know. I've been on the road so much over the last couple of years, ever since I started radio mm. tour, really, um, it's been crazy. But when I'm here in Nashville, I do, I like to just hang out with my friends. Obviously right now I can't, but, um, I like to, to hang out with my friends and I've got a few hobbies here and there that, you know, I, I just bedazzled an entire guitar and, um, I find things to do. <laughs> Yeah, you know, you talking about being independent and all that. I remember um, we interview, we have a state of the music business podcast that we do. We interviewed Joe Kelly from CDX Nashville, and we and he talked about that that we're in the era of of independent artists. He says a lot of people think you have to have this big label. He says nowadays you don't. With all the tools that they have online, he says there's no reason that someone can't make a significant income before they ever consider a big label. Yeah, it's very true. And I think um, a lot of artists are kind of, you know, releasing their music on their own and seeing how far they can take it with hopes of, you know, being offered something better than from a label than they would have, you know, just as a new developing artist. So I think 
it's definitely a different world out there right now. So many ways to get your music out there with um, social media and just, you know, if you've got a really great team of managers and um, people around you that can, can get, you know, those, those things done that need to be done by a team, um, mm-hmm. you know, the rest of it can kind of be, yeah, more of an independent <laughs> label or um, completely yeah. independent. It just mm-hmm. depends, yeah. Yeah, that's what Joe was saying, that he always tells people don't get a major label because he said if you get a major label too early, they screwed you. You might not think they did, but they screwed you. Right. <laughs> he says if you stay independent, build your base, and then now when they come to you, you've got some working room. Right, yeah, and I think I, especially for me right now, like I, I am independent um, and mm-hmm. with a small label, so it's a – it's definitely like something on my mind, but it, it's something that you don't want to take too early. And if there are offers, yeah. like it's really hard to mm-hmm. turn it down because you want <laughs> it so bad. But it's like if you wait and if you hold out and kind of create these, um, you know, things on your own and the momentum and all of that stuff, like when you are offered something, it's going to be 10 times better than probably exactly. what you might have taken really early on. Yeah. And the, and the difference may only be two years, so you know. So you may you may kill your income by jumping on board now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's actually it's so interesting when when people are like, oh, even for people that have signed with a major label, you know, sometimes they're like, oh, well, you must be rich now, and it's like, no, <laughs> it doesn't work like that. Um, and it's, it's really funny. You know, I, I think labels still do, um, advances mm-hmm. and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. it's not like mm-hmm. you're just immediately, um, you know, there's so much that's recoupable and that, um, you know, a lot of money yeah. going out <laughs> at the beginning, mm-hmm. especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. I posted a meme, I guess about a six, seven months ago, I had a guy rolling his eyes and on it, it said, um, um, man, look at all the streams you've gotten. You must be getting rich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the biggest joke of all. <laughs> because, uh, yeah, it's it's so interesting to look at, um, you know, back when CDs were the only way to get people's music and radio, mm-hmm. it was, mm-hmm. you know, that, that was true. I mean, if you were having yeah. tons of sales of your CDs, you know, that money was actually coming in. But it's so funny when people look at streams and think that because yeah it's like okay people are getting like maybe pennies <laughs> off of yeah. um, streams yeah 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 if you were getting e- even 10 cents per stream that wouldn't be too bad <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> yep. so so tell us something quirky about you people hmm. love this question that is a really good question i'm like <laughs> I don't know. Like, that's just a total random thing. I hate bare feet. Um, it ah. freaks me out. Um, so, like, I'm always wearing socks. Or if I'm wearing, like, um, like you know, obviously some heels uh, mm-hmm. don't have, um, you know, you can't wear socks <clears throat> with them. But, yeah, I'll just, like, I'll have to make sure that, like, whatever fabric it is, like, feels okay on my feet. Otherwise, I just, like, I don't know. It makes me cringe so hard. <laughs> that's super random. But, um, that's one of, like, my biggest, like, quirks or pet peeves oh, or whatever. Well. <laughs> and, and, you know, what's funny is um, 
since we've been asking that question, we've gotten so many crazy answers. Well, we, we love that question because it gives us an insight into who you are. Because the goal of the show is to know you. I mean, yeah, we'll talk about a little bit about your music too, but I want to know you as the person, not you as the That's cool. I like that. So what age did you say, you know what, this is what I want to do with my life? Um, I mean, I started training classically um, with voice training when I was about eight years old. Um, and I think, you know, the the story behind that is that, you know, I was always singing around my house. And if I was mm-hmm. playing out in the backyard, mm-hmm. I was always, you know, singing whatever major country song or pop song was on the radio. <laughs> and uh, my neighbor actually overheard me singing and she just, for whatever reason, decided to act on that and came over to our house and told my mom that she thought I had a really great voice and that, you know, it might be something to look into. And so, you know, when my mom talked to me about it being a seven, eight-year-old kid, I was just like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, yes. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I auditioned, I auditioned for a a voice teacher in my hometown Mm -hmm. and, you know, she would only take on a few students um, at a time and, Thankfully, she decided to take me on, and um, I trained with her classically for 10 years. And, oh, wow. um, yeah, so kind of did that, like, very classical side of things and learned all of the basics of, of how to sing properly and all that stuff. But then when I was 13, 14, I was just like, you know what? My true love is country music, so country. I picked up <laughs> – yeah. <laughs> Um, I still, I had to kind of turn it off and on, you know, when I went to voice lessons, I had to, you know, turn on that classical switch. And then when I was home singing country music, it was kind of a completely different thing. But um, I think picking up the guitar was really what I think gave me the freedom to actually be able to go out and perform, you know, my own music. I was writing Mm -hmm. back then and and not that it was good at all. <laughs> um, I'm thinking back to some of those songs; they were probably terrible. But um, yeah, it just but like it there's started. something about yeah having a guitar and being able to go out there and actually you know accompany yourself. And I just thought that was so cool. So it was probably eight years old when I was like, okay, this is what I'm gonna do for the rest of my life. So who's been some of your musical influences, and who's one person people would be surprised on that influenced you? Hmm. Um, so I grew up listening to all of the, you know, 90s country, 90s pop. Um, mm-hmm. So everything from, you know, the Dixie Chicks, Shania Twain, um, Faith Hill, Martina McBride, you know, that was kind of the countryside. And, and then on the pop side, you know, I listened to Pink, I listened to Britney Spears, um, the Spice Girls, like it was, there was just like so many um, artists back then. And I'm realizing now it's funny that they were all female artists. I was just like a huge fan of, of them. And um, probably, you know, my, my dad also introduced me to um, the Beatles. And so oh, I wow. fell in love with you know, their music and just thought they were so cool. And then I didn't even realize that, you know, it was so strange. Every Christmas we would listen to the Graceland album uh, by Paul mm-hmm. Simon. And uh, he turns out to be like one of my, you know, like all time favorite artists and just like his songwriting side of things um, just blew me away the more and more I looked <laughs> into it. So that that's probably something that people wouldn't expect, but yeah, um, it's interesting that, you know, his music is 
I mean, if you really look at it, it's storytelling. It's just like country music. Yep. So, um, exactly. yeah. We had one guest tell us that Eminem inspires them. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, you, well, you know, even though they're, and they're country, country, you know. So it was, you know, I always love that question because, you know, it's always interesting what people say on that um, because a lot of times it's total opposite of what you would think. Yeah, and, and I, I think it's really cool that they said Eminem because, again, too, if you go and look at his music yep, and the story. way that he is, like, changing around these phrases and making them go into each other, and it's like, you know, he's telling a story in a really, really unique way. So that's, that's really cool. I think that, um, yeah, that's a great answer to that question as well. And, and I think that when you look at um, music out there that – the closest thing to country, which is kind of crazy, would be hip-hop and rap because they tell stories. That's so true. Yeah, it's definitely like, you know, pop is kind of, oh, I went out and, and had fun and drank or whatever. <laughs> and, and um, you know, a lot of the, the hip-hop and, and that side of things, like it is storytelling, mm-hmm. which I, I think is yep. so cool and interesting. So when you look back on your career so far, what are some moments where you're like, wow, I got to do that? Oh, man, a a lot of them happened this year (laughs) before all of this crazy quarantine (laughs) pandemic stuff happened. Um, The beginning of this year, I got to, um, well, I guess it started in 2019. I made my Opry Mm -hmm. debut, and that was something that, I didn't expect it to come so early in my career. You know, I had seen other artists who were maybe close to the same, you know, mm-hmm. status or whatever as I am in country music. And, um, you know, I was seeing them make their Opry debuts and, and I was like, that's really cool. <laughs> but I just didn't like think that, you know, for me that that would be something that would be attainable so yeah. early on in my career. And so that was a really cool moment. Um, and then, starting off this year um there were three things that just like it was with weeks you know I released my new album Mm -hmm. and we went out and we did um I performed on The Bachelor the single that I had released um I performed on the Today Show yeah like both of these like TV performances (laughs) were just like you know kind of mind-blown moments I'm just standing there Mm -hmm. being like okay this is really happening Mm -hmm. Um, and then I also sang the Canadian national anthem at um, the all-star NBA game. So there were a lot of things like all within the first few weeks of 2020 that were just wow. kind of pinch me moments. Yeah. <laughs> so you're like, you know, so you come into the new year and of course, like we did, they're thinking, wow, the world is open. And then now we come into everything's halted, you know, how's, How's that been? Because, you know, you're, like I said at the very beginning, you're at the edge of breakthrough. We've been watching you, and and you're so close to moving up to that next level, and then everything stops. How's that yeah. been Yeah. I mean, it's definitely been a little frustrating. Um, you know, I released an album, and, and I have this single out there, and we're just like, I mean, we're one um, – number away from being on the chart right now and it's just so crazy to me you know we had all of these shows planned and all of these things planned to promote the album to promote the single and all of this and and then you're told no you have to stay home 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, at first I was really, really upset. I'm not going to lie. I was just like all of these festivals, these major moments that I was looking forward to, like, you know, main stages at festivals and all of this where I, you know, I had put that in my head as something that I was working towards, you know, since the beginning of the year, it was like, we're getting these shows ready and we're going to go out and we're going to do all of these festivals and it's going to be great. And, Mm -hmm. you know, to be told that we can't do any of that um, was really upsetting at first. And then, you know, I started having these calls with my managers about how can we, you know, take this, you know, as, as bad as it is, how can we take this and make it good? And so we've just been doing a ton of live streams with a bunch of, you know, radio stations and um, outlets and different things like that. And honestly, I have been so busy. I would have never (laughs) expected it, Um, you know, and just the different people that are, um, you know, finding my music and Mm -hmm. the different kinds of content that we've been able to create, which I would have never been able to do if I was on the road. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's just been kind of taking the Next lemons and trying there. to make lemonade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, as we talk about the highs, I always like to flip the script and go the other way now. And I'll tell a story that leads us into where I want this to go. Um, back in 2014, we interviewed Alice and Steele from Two Steel Girls when they were full-time with music. And um, one of the questions I asked is what advice would she give an upcoming artist? And she said, this is going to sound funny coming from someone full-time. She goes, but if your heart will allow you to do anything outside of music, go do that and just keep music as a hobby. She goes, when you go full-time, it's a game changer. She goes, it it can be your passion, but it's also your job. She goes, you could have a bad day, but you still got to get on that stage that night, no matter how bad of a day that is. So the sacrifices that an artist has to make, the sacrifices that the family has to make through this career. She goes, she goes, but if your heart won't allow you to do anything else outside of music, then go all in because the sacrifices are only worth it if you're all in. What do you think about what she said? And let's go there a little bit about that side of it. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely agree. And I think for me, there is nothing else. So when it comes to, you know, sacrifices and things like that, um, it. I mean, I haven't seen my family in months, and it's definitely a struggle sometimes. You know, I try not to think about it. I try to make the most of the time when I am home and and when I'm getting to do those things and just chill or go to our family farm and just hang out, you know. But it's, um, it's definitely tough when you look at, you know, significant moments sometimes that you're missing in other people's lives, and it's like you don't want them to think that, it's not important to you because it is, but when you're booked on a festival or if you're booked to play a show that night and you can't, you know, make it back, no matter how crazy of a flight schedule you try to make (laughs) or whatever, you just can't make it to something that means a lot to somebody, you know, that's, that's Mm -hmm. frustrating and that's tough. And you have to, um, I guess have really understanding people around you that are okay Mm -hmm. with, you missing those moments and you know I think it's also tough you know I like this time last year my grandpa passed away and it was like I I was really hard on myself because I was like Mm -hmm. I should have spent more time at home and I should have you Mm -hmm. know 
been there for more of those moments. And it's like, well, yeah, you could say that, but would they want that? Like if, if they're, if they he, know he that you are exactly. So it's like, you have to kind of look at it from both angles and try to make sense of it. And, and I think if your heart is 100% in it and you can't do anything else, then the sacrifices mm-hmm. are going to be worth it. Even if they feel like they're not right now. <laughs> Yeah, because, you know, I, mm-hmm. I see people on, on Facebook and I hear people all the time and they always talk about artists just need to go get a real job. And I cringe when I hate when people say that because um, yeah. I've, I've stopped people many times as, look, don't tell an artist to get a real job. They actually got something better, a passion that they're living for. And, you know, I think a lot of times people have lost their passion, so they try to take it out on on p- creative people say, well, you need a real job. And, and I hate that, you know, just like the whole job thing, you know, the passion job, you know, one thing I've learned is if you take that passion away from the person, you kill that person inside. I've got friends of mine and I love to tell the story because I want parents to hear this. I've got friends of mine that are 15 years in their career and you sit down with them and they're miserable. And then you're like, oh, mm-hmm. God, you've got this great life. You've got this great family. You've got this amazing career. And, they'll, and some of them will stop you. Nope, 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 that's the problem. Like, what do you mean that's the problem? You went to eight years of school for that. And, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I went eight years of school for my parents. I never wanted to do this. And mm-hmm. now they're destroying their life because they're miserable with their life, all because their parents pushed them into a career that they never was meant for. Oh yeah, that's to me that's the saddest thing ever because if you are lucky enough to even at a young age have some kind of like real passion like I want to mm-hmm. do this. I I'm kind of a firm believer that you know no matter what it is, you can mm-hmm. make an income from. It. Just have to be a yep. little bit creative, but mm-hmm. you can <laughs> make a life out of doing what you love. I mean, think about the crazy jobs that people have and you're like, how would they make a living or how to, you know, and then they turn out to be some of the wealthiest people. And you're just like, yeah, I think if you're passionate about it, you're going to work at it more than anything else. And when people like, I, it's really tough because people don't realize that being an artist is like, it's beyond a full-time job. Like it never really yeah, it's multiple like, jobs. turns if you're off. Yeah. It's like, you know. <laughs> exactly. I mean, there was a time a couple years ago where I was sitting down at a computer learning how to upload my music into a system and how to release my music, put together a timeline, put together a release plan, like all of these things that you're like, mm-hmm. okay, you know, you don't, <laughs> think that artists are doing that but if they're independent you know they are, they are. <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly that's like with the whole new country media that we're running and new country buzz chris and sandy show none of this makes money right now we got this vision that it will and we've been told we should get regular, regular jobs and you know what we, but we're not listening you know we, we, have we know that we do where we're trying to go mm-hmm. and this is what we want to do with the rest of our life and you know it really, I, I can't imagine not doing this show now. And we, and even though we've been around the music industry for, I guess, about six years now, because we originally launched New Country Buzz back in 2014, and we actually got to interview Kelsey Ballerini before people. I guess that she was about the same point where you are right now, 
back then. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we ended up shutting down in 2015, but it was like it's one of them things where if you quit, it'll eat you alive. So every six, mm-hmm. seven months, I would look up on GoDaddy, up newcountrybuzz.com is still available. Six months later, mm-hmm. still available. Uh, yeah. In 2018, I told Sandy, I, I, we got to relaunch. I, I cannot live like this. We got to finish mm-hmm. what we started. And at that time, it was just going to be New Country Buzz. And then into la- last year, we came up with this idea of the Chris and Sandy show. Okay, well, let's launch January um, 3rd, which is my mom, which was my mom's birthday, and it's in honor of, of her and stuff. So we were like, okay, we launched January 3rd, and we figured we'd do maybe 50, 40, 50 shows in the whole year. You're our 65th show since January 3rd. <laughs> wow. That's yes. so awesome. That's incredible. And, and again, it's, it's one of them things where, you know what? It's, it's like you said, the work that you, you cannot not do it. That's how we, I feel, you know, I almost gave up on this and this idea um, now, granted, the vision's different now than it was then, but I almost gave up on this. And all I can think about is, no, it, 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 even though some night Sandy has to talk me off the ledge. I'm like, I'm just ready to quit this. I'm just ready to quit, 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 quit. And then, I, and then I'll end up saying something crazy like, I just need to go get a regular nine-to-five job or something. And she'll laugh. <laughs> and she'll like... <laughs> When, when have you had a nine to five job? Uh, you know, because all our marriage in seventeen years, we've done different stuff to keep us afloat, be of a time together more than anything. I'm like, okay, you're right. Let's move. We'll, we'll, we'll make this thing work. <laughs> so we get where y'all are coming from. We're just like y'all trying to chase this crazy vision. And yeah. you know, so I think that makes us great hosts for a lot of these artists because we're doing the same thing y'all are doing, just on a different platform. Yeah, I mean, I I think anybody who is willing to step out and and do their own thing and, you know, obviously there's going to be ups and downs. There's ups and downs in everything. But Mm -hmm. it's like if you have Mm -hmm. that drive and for whatever reason, that thing in your head that will not let you give up, you know, I mean, I've definitely had nights where I'm just like, Mm -hmm. what am I doing? And then (laughs) I wake up the next morning and I'm just like, Okay, well, that that was a fun pity party, but now let's get back to it, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, it's, and it's funny because, you know, I know you've always seen singing. I, I didn't see being a host all my life. I mean, when we first got married, I was one of these big time into motivational guru stuff, self-help. I, I listened to audio type stuff 24-7. I was one of them that believed that you listen to music in your car, you weren't – you weren't serious about your business. I mean, I was that brainwashed. So I get married to Sandy, and she's a 24-7 music person. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, well, <laughs> something had to give there, so we made an agreement. We'll listen to 50% audios and 50% um, music. And we both said, you know, that's a good compromise. We, we were okay with that. And here I am now. I mean, I always thought I would one day be on that stage speaking in front of 10,000 people. And here it is now, can't imagine doing anything else outside of the show. It's crazy how life changes like that. It is. It's crazy how, like, also what you think you want. Like, sometimes if you get to that point, like, Mm -hmm. say you, you know, you were doing these shows for all these people and 
I mean, you might have ended up hating that, <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. you, you really don't know. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I remember, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I came to Nashville um, at 15 years old and the people mm-hmm. that I was working with mm-hmm. were just not great. And, oh, wow. and they, they made it feel like um, I shouldn't be an artist because if that's oh, wow. what it is, like I, uh, I don't want any part of that, but it turns mm-hmm. out, you know, mm-hmm. that that was just those people, and there are incredible yeah. people in the music industry. I mm-hmm. mean, some of my closest and best friends are are people that I work with, and they are incredible people. You know, besides what they do professionally, they are really great people. And I think, yeah, sometimes mm-hmm. you like you end up somewhere and you're like, oh, this is nothing like what I thought it was, but you make a few <laughs> small adjustments and it turns out it, it can be really great. Yep. And, and, you know, you're talking about Nashville. <clears throat> i tell you what, a lot of Nashville people from PR companies and I have really taken us in. And we have never seen community like Nashville. You know, that, that's why we, Sin and I both feel like we're supposed to be in Nashville. We were meant for Nashville. That's why we're mm-hmm. going to eventually move there. And like I, I posted on Facebook, I guess um, six months ago, three months ago, something like that. Um, and I, and with us being in Savannah, a lot of my friends, of course, Savannah, and a lot of our friends are Nashville. But I was really mm-hmm. looking for a Savannah person. I was like, does anybody have an extra podcast mic that they have just h- hanging around? I would love to get it from you. And um, I was expecting someone from Savannah to reach out to me. Nope. I get a private message from a friend of mine in Nashville says, what's your address? I'll mail it to you. Wow. And I was like I stunned. Because that, that <laughs> you know, that what he did right there is t- told me all I need to know about Nashville. That's Nashville yeah. right there. That's so, so true. Has, I mean, since you've met, lived, lived there, how's it been for you? Has it been lived up to your expectations? Oh, yeah. I mean, it has exceeded them. I mean, it's it started out tough. I mean, I had never lived on my own and I, I didn't know anybody <laughs> here really. I mean, I had uh, a couple of, you know, people that I worked with, but they were, you know, all older guys that, you know, had their families and had their lives. And it was just, you know, I didn't know anybody my own age. Um, I was really very like isolated and kind of alone, you know, besides my writing sessions. Um I didn't really know a lot of people. And so that part of it was, was really tough. And I would say it probably mm-hmm. took me a year mm-hmm. and a half to kind of feel like, okay, I'm, I'm getting somewhere. I'm like, you know, I'm starting to meet people, mm-hmm. starting to make friends, like this is going to be yeah. okay. Um, and then once things really started to come together, you know, um, I would probably say it was when I, I ended up working with a really great manager and, from then on, it just kind of felt like everything was always taking a step forward. You know, even if you yeah. took a slight step back with, with whatever, it was like there was always a way to come back from that and to keep moving forward. And I think that mm-hmm. just, like, makes me really mm-hmm. excited. And, and it, it makes me feel like, you know, I'm not the only one fighting for this because I think it, it yeah. can be really frustrating if you have a team around you and you are the only one who, like, wholeheartedly believes in it. And Uh I've just been so fortunate to find people here who, like, sometimes I think they believe in me more than I believe in myself. And that's, like, (laughs) 
something that mm-hmm. is is really unique and you don't find that very often and yeah. so I'm just very very thankful that I have that. You know, it's crazy that there are people that love what we do in Nash that that are in Nashville, that's in Nashville that and we're talking high level people that that respect us and all that and think that we got something good going on here with the Chris and Sandy show and New Country Buzz and all that. But here locally in Savannah very few people respect what we're doing. Very few. Uh, mm. not, that's never going to work. I mean, we, we hear it all the time. You know? Yeah. And, and, and it's amazing that people we know think it won't work. People that we don't know but we respect think it will. So who am I going to yeah. listen to? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? Exactly. But, I mean, yeah. But, it's, yeah, um, that's, it, it's just crazy like that sometimes. It is. I mean, I think about my hometown, too, and I know that there were people that were like, this girl is crazy if she thinks she's going to end up in Nashville, like, and all of these things, and then it's it's so, it's just kind of, I don't know, it, it makes up for all of those, you know, people saying bad things or whatever, yep. um, mm-hmm. when, when you accomplish those things, and then some of those people come back, and they're just like, oh, my gosh, look at how, you know, cool this is. Look at what she just did. And, you know, they're posting all over their social media, and you're like, huh, <laughs> you know, you didn't believe in me back then, but now here you are, you know, posting about it, saying that you listen to my music. Like, it's just kind of, yeah, it comes back around, I think. Yeah, I, I remember an old saying that somebody told me years ago that, that on the critic side, that first they tell you it won't work. Then as it starts working, they tell you it won't last. Then mm-hmm. as it's lasting, they tell you you were lucky. And then they finally get to the final phase. I always knew you could do it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I've never heard somebody put that together in the progression like that, but that is so true. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. <laughs> but yeah, and we've seen that too. But we're going to take a quick commercial break, and then we're going to play your song, "Somebody Like That," and then we're going to talk about that song. How's that? All right, sounds great. Right, just hang in there. Hey everyone, we have partnered with another great podcast called the Sports Guys Podcast. You can find them over at thesportsguyspodcast.com. The Sports Guys Podcast is a sports and country music podcast hosted by Brandon, Nick, and Andy. They cover sports on a state, regional, and national level with many of the biggest names in the sports industry. The Sports Guys also host a Backstage Pass music segment where they go behind the scenes and talk with some of the biggest artists in country music, everything from Texas country, Americana, as well as Nashville artists. The Backstage Pass provides a more in-depth look at the musicians' rise in music as they talk about their career and tell stories about their music to share with their fans. Many of the same guests will be appearing on our show as well. Again, you can find them over at thesportsguyspodcast.com. It's a grand slam of sports and music. Please go over and check them out.
Oh, yes. Great Thank song. Thank you. <laughs> it makes me think of Sandy because, you know, I found Aww. my that. You know, cause I feel we, the same you know, way. We, we, we met, you know, a lot of people thought we were crazy, but back in 2002, we met online. She was in Kentucky. I was in Georgia. So we got to know each other without really seeing, seeing it. I mean, we met online on February 2nd. February 4th, we talked on the phone for the first time. Here's the part that people thought we were crazy on. February 18th was set a wedding day. And March 4th, we met. Oh, my gosh. Person. Yeah. Yes. So, so, we were that so, in March, <laughs> so in March, we were meeting to see who we were mm-hmm. going to marry. And, and, and you know, it's wow. funny because you're on here and you've sang on The Bachelor. It almost reminds me of The Bachelor, but I only dated one person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That is such yeah. a great story. Wow, and we married on October of that year. You know, we married on October 5th of that year, so like mm-hmm. eight months later. But we only spent like 20 days together face-to-face in that yeah. time. Wow, maybe less because than that. Because we were at distance. And we mm-hmm. had high phone bills because back then it wasn't like now. 
There wasn't no such thing right. as low phone bills for long distance. You know, right. So here it is. Here we are 17 years later, and we found a way to combine my passion of speaking and her passion of music into this. And, and we've been doing, again, 17 years, we've pretty much been a 24-7 couple. That's why with that song, I'm like, you know, I have that love. That's, that's so <clears throat> sweet. I love that so much. Well, we appreciate that. So how did that what, – what inspired that song? Well, I had, you know, the album is called Love, Heartbreak, and Everything in Between, and I started out writing all of the breakup songs. Um, I had gone through a breakup, and it was kind of my first, like, big breakup of my life. You know, I I was with Mm -hmm. this guy for Mm -hmm. a long time. He was from my hometown, all this stuff, and um, yeah, and when we broke up, you know, I wasn't, like... I knew that it wasn't right. So I think that it was easier to kind of move past that. But, you know, I still, I wrote a lot of breakup songs and then there was kind of just a switch one day where I was like, okay, I'm done writing about this breakup. I want to move on. And, and so Mm -hmm. when I got together with my co-writers, we were just talking about, you know, if we were to pick the perfect love, like what would that look like? And, you know, we were talking about our parents or grandparents, you know, just people around us that, that have a great relationship, you know, not just like an Instagram great relationship. Like they are actually um, really good to each other and they understand each other. They fight well, you know, it's like they don't just, you know, brush things aside, you know, they talk it Mm -hmm. out, they figure it out. And um, yeah, we were just talking about what kind of love we would want. And um, that's how that song turned out. And it was just really about not settling until you find it. And I, I think, this song kind of has like a hopeful feeling to it. Cause it's like, you know, yeah. if you're in a relationship and you have found that, then you celebrate mm-hmm. that. And that's mm-hmm. really great. Yeah. But if you, if you're single, yeah. you know, and you feel like there's nobody out there for you, it's like, no, it's going to come. And, and all you have to do <laughs> right. is not settle until you find it. <clears throat> exactly. exactly. Yeah. You know, I, I love that because again, you know, I think in this day and time and, and not just this day and time, but even when Sandy and I met there was a lot of people that, would settle and I just want a relationship and and you know again even though I was nothing to sneeze at I still had a criteria that I you know one of one of my deal breakers and again I got put down for this because I, I wanted to create some legacy together with her. I, did, I I wanted to marry somebody that we could build something together so one of my mm-hmm. questions I would ask as you know before you before I would date anybody back then because I really felt like my wife was online. I felt like I felt like God told me she's online. Go find her. <laughs> so so <laughs> I'm so I'm like going through a lot of people trying to figure out who's that person. And and of course they had to be a Christian. That's just my beliefs. Mm-hmm. And um but outside of that, my big thing that I got put down for was my my question would be and I always say if it was possible. It was not you didn't have to do this, but if it was possible, would you consider being a in a twenty four seven marriage um, where you build a legacy together? If it was possible, and of course I got mm. told it's unbelievable some of the things that people told me on that one. I wasn't looking for a bait and switch thing. I was yeah. looking for the one for me. I wasn't looking because a lot of people said, well, you probably pass up a lot of good women. Like I wasn't looking for a good woman. I was looking for the right one for me. Right. And, 
And I that that was one question I asked Sandy, and I remember I'll never forget her answer. She was like, "I've never heard of that. If that were even remotely possible, that would be awesome." I was like, oh, "That's the one." Mm-hmm. I knew immediately. That <laughs> I like that, and and you know, it's one of those things to where um, I, I'm not telling everybody to have that. Not everybody can be a 24/7 couple like like us. Right. I, I know that. You know, this is how we. But you know, it's funny. People put us down for being a 24-7 couple, but yet if this 95- and 90-year-old has been living 60 years as one, oh, people applaud that. Mm-hmm. And, like, we're doing the same mm-hmm. thing. We're just doing it younger years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, but, but it's funny with love, you know, how people think. But, again, I love that song because that, you, you, like what you said, you can't settle because you might settle for a good person, but do you want a good person or do you want the right person? Yeah, it's so true. Yeah, I think, you know, even when I was, you know, looking and, and you know, dating a little bit, it was just kind of mm-hmm. like I didn't I didn't really have like a set type of person that I wanted yeah. to date or whatever mm-hmm. that was. Um, but then, um, you know, I, I – I've been in a new relationship now for a little while and, and this guy, like he just understands exactly what I'm doing without being like overbearing or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And the Mm -hmm. most support I think I've ever felt. And I think it's just for whatever reason, you know, it has lined up and we only had one mutual friend. um, And (laughs) it's just, it's kind of ended up being something that, you know, I look back and I'm just like, how did, like, there had to have been, you know, God was leading us to each other because yeah. I don't right. know how else yeah. you would, like, put that together. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, we feel the same way. You know, there's, I mean, her being we in Kentucky, do. me being in Georgia, we had no mutual friends. There was no we, way you could have met. I mean, I, I grew up on the other side of the track, so to speak, you know. <laughs> I've been an outcast all my life on things. So, there was no reason for us to meet if God didn't inter, inter, intervene there. There was just no reason. There was mm-hmm. no way that somebody could convince me that this was not planned because mm-hmm. when we look back on our marriage now, it's like we, it's been unbelievable. Yeah. That's so great. I love that. <laughs> it's well, stories you. like that, you know, that, that make people still believe in love, you know, mm-hmm. whatever they've been through, yeah. all of those things. It's mm-hmm. like, no, it's like the right thing is coming. Just like, just wait <laughs> yes. and just hold out and don't settle because, right. you know, you could be yep. settled in a relationship that you're not happy in and, and end up missing that person. You know, you have to, um, yep. yeah, just hold out for that. As you know, when people look at the artists, they see the artists. They don't see the team behind them. I always like to, you know, I always like to bring the team up um, because I think that they don't get enough recognition because, you know, you don't do all of the job. I mean, you probably used to do all the jobs yourself, but now <laughs> you don't do all the jobs yourself. So tell us a little bit about the different people from your PR company, the manager and stuff like that, that you have on board with you that helps you be who you are. Oh, my gosh. Well, I have been so, so fortunate to, um, you know, when I started out here, I had just released my first EP and a manager came to the show and like it was kind of an immediate like I 
felt like they were going to be the right team for me. And it started mm-hmm. out a little yeah. bit rocky. They will admit to that, too. I was very, like, <laughs> not ready to trust managers. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just like, mm-hmm. oh, I've heard, you know, horror stories, all this stuff. But um, they're incredible. So um, they're a company called Dreamcatcher. And um, I've had a few really great publicists. Um, you guys, uh, we talked with one of them earlier today, Charlie and Jill and mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Craig here in Nashville with me as well. Um, I have an awesome social media team, um, a woman named Lindsay. Her and I go back and forth just being creative every day. I talk to her the most out of anybody. Um, and then last but not least, my um, – my publisher, Hal Ovens, mm-hmm. he um, is also the one that has basically um, created this label for <laughs> me to be able to release music. Wow. And I mean, he is the man behind everything that I do. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, he's made all of these things possible. So um, there are all of those people, my co-writers, my producers, um, there's just an incredible group of people here and we have kind of built the team you know one person at a time and it's just been very rewarding to see everybody come together with the same goal Mm -hmm. and yeah it's it's been a great journey so far and I'm so excited I can't you know every time we accomplish something big it's just celebration because everybody has worked so hard in their you know in their individual um you know whatever they're working on it all has to come together to make this work. So I've been mm-hmm. very, very fortunate. That is awesome. And because we're a family show, like I told you before we got started, we always bring our little eight-year-old on. So ask, he always <laughs> likes to ask one question because we're, we're definitely um, involve him and everything. And when Caitlin gets old enough, we'll probably involve her in too. <laughs> Eventually there'll be two of them asking <laughs> one question. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but here's Christopher. Mm-hmm. Oh, hey, Tania, what's your favorite food? Ooh, my favorite food. That is a tricky question because I love all kinds of food. Um, <laughs> but if I was to pick, I would say probably pizza or tacos. I just think <laughs> they're two of the best things in the world. <laughs> so what's yours, though, Chris? A pizza. Pizza? Can we have a pizza party? Come to Nashville? <laughs> Say yes, little Chris. <laughs> okay, that bye. would be fun. Bye. He uh, comes and goes quick. He does. <laughs> they so love cute. to be part of it. But, but he would be upset. Again, there's been a few people that had to cut it short at the last minute. And mm-hmm. he didn't get to ask his question. He pouted for a little while because even though he's quick oh. on there, he loves to do that. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. That's so sweet. And, and you know, I always, told pe- I always tell people, you know, the best way to inspire purpose and passion into your kids is for them to watch use you it through yours. Because, again, mm-hmm. um, they have a front row seat to what you do. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're passionate about something, it will rub off on them, I believe. That's so great. I think it's so true. Um, I definitely feel like my parents, you know, they were doing what they loved um, from what I could tell. And uh, mm-hmm. I definitely think that it, it shows and it, it makes, you know, kids just be that much more confident that they can do what, you know, whatever their big dream is. So that's awesome. Yeah. 
So if you could co-write with anyone dead or alive, who would it be and what would you want to write about? Oh, my gosh. Um, I, I think it would be really cool to write with Johnny Cash and June Carter and, um, <laughs> oh, and yes. just talk about, you know, their relationship. I know there were so mm-hmm. many ups and downs for them, and, and I think um, if there was anyone to learn from, um, you know, and uh, I just think it would be a really, really cool experience, obviously, um, <laughs> to be able to sit down in a room with them no matter what we were doing. Um, so I think I would probably say them, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's funny you picked those two because, you know, we've had Anna Christina Cash on our show. Who's oh, of course wow. married to John Carter Cash. We've also had Carlene Carter on our show. Wow. <laughs> so that you know, is so cool. So I thought that was cool that you picked those two because I'm like, you know, we've been going around their family, I guess, a little bit, saying, Hey, you know, we we'd like to have you on the show and we've been getting them. You know, we've been, it's been exciting. Uh, and then of course all that's led to us getting you on the show, which we are definitely excited about and have been excited about. Mm-hmm. So it's been awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I mean, this has been so great. I love the way that you guys uh, just really make it a conversation and talk about, you know, things that we've been through. I mean, I feel like I got so much out of mm-hmm. this, so thank you. <laughs> well, we appreciate that. We we try to make it different. Again, when we first launched the Chris and Sandy show in, back in January 3rd, I was like, you know, how there's so many podcasts out there that people can come on. How are we going to be different? Of course, we're married. I mean, there's there's what maybe less than one percent of podcasts that are have married couples doing it. Um, but that I didn't think that was enough. I was like, how can we be different? And I said, I know it because I've been a storyteller all my life. I love stories. I love telling stories that you can't tell, and I love hearing stories. <laughs> and um, so um, we end up. Um, um, I told Sandy that um, I, I think I've got our niche. We're going to allow mm-hmm. the rising artists to tell their stories, give pieces of their story. As, uh, as far as I know, the ones I've seen, I don't, because, again, most podcasts give people 20 and 30 minutes. You know, mm-hmm. and, you know, there's not a whole lot you can do. In, in that short time, except talk about music. I wanted to talk about the artists. I didn't want to talk. I want to talk some about music. But I want to talk about the artists. And so it's like, that's, our, that's going to be our niche. And I think we've done a great job because we've got people coming on that, I'll be honest, we wouldn't imagine having someone like you on our show or Carlene Carter or Anna Christina Cash or any of those. And then we got, I think next Wednesday, um, Taylor Lynn coming on. So we would have um. never imagined some of these artists that are coming on our show in this short time, a year, two years down the road. Yeah. But not in Now, granted, we've been around the music business for a while. So it's not like we were brand new January 3rd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I guess if we were brand new January 3rd, this probably wouldn't be happening, but because we have a little bit of credibility in Nashville, I think that's helped with the whole new country buzz thing and all that. And we've made a lot of good contacts, but yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely been a blessing and we definitely are proud to have people like you on our show because it really helps us realize we've got something special here. Well, I really appreciate you guys having me on the show. It's so great. And uh, I hope that you guys will be in Nashville soon and we can actually meet in person and, and uh, it'd be great to to meet you guys. Uh, We look forward to that. So so we got a couple more questions and then we'll, and then we'll, 
not take up too much more of your time. But one is yeah, um, okay. the way I'm going to ask the question, I'll explain to you why I'm asking it this way. I ask this question a certain way for a specific reason. If you uh-huh. had a magic wand and, you, and what you're about to say would come true, where do you want to be in five years? And the reason I'm asking it that way is because this past February made five years that we asked that exact same question to Kelsey Ballerini. And, and she's mm-hmm. probably, and this is and it probably with you, it's probably even more specific than any artist we've had because you're probably about where she was at that time because she, she just had her first single get in the, I think it, I think it was number 28 on the charts at that point when we interviewed mm-hmm. her. Um, so, and her foundation seems to be about like yours. So she, her exact answer to us is what she's living right now. I mean, is that, I mean, you couldn't have she you couldn't had a better vision that she had because she's living mm-hmm. to the T of what she, you know of what she told us five years ago that she wanted to be in five years. So that's why yeah. I ask it in this way. If all bets were off, where would you be in five years? I would be on a major tour. Um, I think that has been my goal, my dream this entire time is to have music that reaches enough people um, that, you know, it's worthy of this big tour. And, you know, that's always kind of been in the back of my mind, even when creating music. So um, Mm -hmm. I just want to be out there meeting people and on the road and, you know, being able to actually sing these songs for people. That would be awesome. So let's say you let's say you had a friend, and you heard them sing, and let's say they got a good tone, they got they got some type of it factor that they you're like man they do have something special, and let's say they played maybe five or ten, and of course this is pre-virus advice that I'm saying here, so (laughs) keep that in mind, (laughs) you know because of course we'll all get back to normal eventually, Um, so but let's say that they're they're pretty good they played five ten maybe twenty shows but they've got on that stage. And they got that stage bug that every artist says there's some point where you're looking out at the crowd and you just know this is where you're supposed to be. What advice would you give that person to help guide them the next two, three, four years? Oh, wow. Um, I would say trust your gut um, because (laughs) a lot of things are going to come your way and you kind of just have to – navigate through it, you know, learn all the facts that you can about things and do pros and cons, but um, really kind of just listen to whatever's tugging at your heart, you know, whatever says you're supposed to do it this way, um, Mm -hmm. listen to that, because there will be a lot of people telling you what they think you should do, but it's really important to voice your opinion and say what you think is the right thing to do, because, you know, if you get yourself into a situation where you don't feel comfortable, um, it's going to be really hard to be an artist and to continue to be creative. So I think just listen to your heart and um, listen to those gut feelings and, you know, you won't go wrong. That is awesome. So we got two more questions and then we'll be out of here. What right. song of yours um, is the most meaningful to you and why? 
I have a song on my album that's called Call You Names, and it's a song that I wrote about my mom, and it's basically an apology for those teenage years, you know, (laughs) when (laughs) you just don't appreciate your parents as much as you should, and yeah, this is basically my apology, and it talks about how, you know, when you're younger, you know, you call your parents names that are not so nice, Mm -hmm. or, you know, you yell at them or whatever, Um, And then you just don't even realize it. And one day, you know, those names that you were calling them turn into beautiful names like, you know, my best friend, my everything. And uh, I'm just really proud of that song. And it it took a long time to write it. So um, I'm I'm really thankful that it's out there. That is awesome. Okay. Down to the final thing. What is a question (laughs) that you wish hosts like us would ask but never do? We've built our show around this question. Oh my gosh. Um I don't know. That's a really tough question. Um Hmm. Gosh. So hard. I don't know. I would maybe say um, um more things about the the creative process, but I mean some people ask about that. Um yeah, I don't know. I feel like you guys have done such a great job of covering all the great questions. So I, I really don't, I don't have any. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we appreciate that. So self-promotion time. Tell everybody how they can reach you. All right. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much on all social media platforms, um, just at Tenille Arts. And obviously all my music is out there on all the streaming and download platforms. My new album is Love, Heartbreak, and Everything in Between. It's a themed album, so I hope people will check it out. And then, of course, my new single, Somebody Like That. We definitely appreciate you coming on. Maybe down the road we can have you come back for some updates. I would absolutely love that. Thank you guys so much, and hopefully see you in Nashville really soon. Sounds oh, good. Yes. Thank you plan. so much for your time. Thank you. And you have a great day. Thank you so much. You too. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Bye. Hey, everyone. Hope you really enjoyed the show. Um, we got another show coming up in the next um, not hour. So at 2 p.m., we'll see Mm -hmm. you then.